0: And sometimes my biggest fear is death. And I'm like, I've already tasted death. I have danced with death and I'm living the bonus years. What is there to fear? Most of us have
1: two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Everything's perfect and there's gonna be a price for everything. What's the
0: point if you're not really feeling
1: it? Welcome to the resistance, featuring meaningful conversations. We live in a condition of a constant murmuring. Like, that just doesn't happen for anyone. That explore that very space between who we are and who we say we want to be. I'm your host, Matt Connor. Welcome to another episode of The Resistance. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm your host.
2: And I am Jay Kirkpatrick, and I am the sound engineer slash co-host sometimes.
1: <laughs> I like it. I wish it was more times than I sometimes. I know. Well,
2: that's COVID for you. That's uh, that's uh, flying by the seat of our pants here. You do a good job Ooh. by yourself, but uh, well, you know, my depression and my three kids keep me from really interacting <laughs> with many people. No, I'm kidding. Let
1: me say this. <laughs> the single worst outcome of COVID for anyone, anywhere, is our inability to co-host sometimes.
2: I know it's it's really hard because we try to get together and it's just like life has just got a hold of both of us, taking us both than, different ways.
1: More than anyone's personal fortunes or job changes or loneliness, any country's total despair. <laughs> it's our despair here on this podcast. Anyway, let's move on with it. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, so I was excited. Our guest today. Is Liz Vice, who is a incredible vocalist and songwriter, and I was excited to have her on the show just because I'm a fan of Liz. But Jay here, my esteemed co-host, is actually like friends has played with her goes way back. Jay, I, I'd love to have you introduce like what makes Liz so great, what 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 makes this episode so great.
2: So there's many things that make Liz Vice great. Her music is one of those things, but she's uh, just an awesome like. In the interview, you will, you know, listeners will hear she's just genuine, she's just grateful, gracious. So, background: um, some of you might know I play and uh, with a, a, an artist named Josh Garrels who's a singer-songwriter. And uh, way, way back in the day, I don't, know, maybe a decade ago, probably maybe <laughs> maybe a little less than a decade ago, um, Josh was in Oregon Portland Oregon um, and uh, he knew Liz Weiss and he knew also another guy named Eric Early and so he did a concert and so it was and I came out and played as well because I play bass and other instruments so he, I, I got to go out and be there and it was the first time I met Liz Vice, and it was such an interesting blend so you had Josh Garrels up, up there kind of leading it you had Eric Early from Blitz and Trapper if you don't know who Eric Early is he's the 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 creator the the name he is blitz and trapper it's his it's his group and then you had liz vice who at that point had not sung in, in a real concert like she'd sung at church she had done you know things like that, but she had never, if I remember correctly, she that was the first time she'd ever really been on stage at a concert, concert singing, wow. and you know taking parts, taking you know and um, you know background, and I think she stepped out and did some some verses and things like that to some of the songs, and so it was kind of as I see her now and I hear these interviews now, I'm just so blown away how far she's come we i've done a tour she was on tour with josh girls uh once or twice and we were on tour with her and and she is just so talented so genuine such an amazingly beautiful person all around and it's it's she's one of my favorite musicians and people well if
1: you've never heard liz you know now like now she's exploded in such a critically acclaimed way where she's um yeah uh, you know, she's been hailed by NPR i think the new york times like she's singing all over the place i like as we talked to her in this conversation she's going to paris to record another album um and do all of that and and yet jay i know that that one of the things that that has marked her story was a real early battle with some with some health problems that almost took her life right
2: yeah yeah so i remember her talking about this when i first met her but you know she goes to more in depth in the interview but You know, she dealt with a lot of health issues to the point where, you know, they didn't think she would live. They didn't think she'd be alive for that long. So in the interview, she talks a lot about the resistance in light of that and how she feels. What does she use the words bonus years? She feels like she's she's in her bonus years, like these years were never meant to even happen. And it really struck me as she was talking about that, just the the amount of, of gratefulness, graciousness, maybe even awe. In the ability, in everything you do, maybe finding the beauty, seeing the privilege of being able to do even the things that are hard, and maybe other people would discount and not not think as as worth it. You kind of you, you kind of see as every moment as being much more significant when you're living your bonus years. And I actually thought, man, like that's what we kind of. I think me and you even talk about how do we we go through so much, and you know, as Americans as people, we kind of. We have a hard time finding the beauty and some of the mundane and just every day and it feels like with what she's went through, she's been able to kind of to kind of find that in m- many more things than me <laughs> personally mm-hmm. things that would trudge me down she I think she finds herself to be grateful and thankful for the resistance and that she even gets to to feel it and go through it and push through it and it, it i don't know i'd I'd love to have that mentality overall <laughs> so yeah,
1: I, I love it. It was it was a real pleasure to sit down with Liz for this episode and hear really a brave artist so willing to to stare down the things that she wants to do and and what tries to get in between them and just go straight for it anyway. Um, she's earned that right. She uh, and then what she makes on the other side is so beautiful and worth it. We know you're going to love this episode. And, and we're just so thrilled to have her on the episode. We, we hope you enjoy our conversation with Liz Weiss. Today, I'm so excited to have uh, someone I've actually been trying to track down here for a little bit. We've tried to make this work. Liz Weiss, you're so kind to take time out of your schedule today to make this happen. Thanks for joining.
0: Thanks for the ask and finding me. And find, <laughs> finding you and seeking you,
1: right? Um, so, Liz, there's obviously a lot I want to talk about in terms of your music and your own creative path. But I want to start where we begin every episode of The Resistance. And that's from our source material, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Uh, you said you have but have not read the book, right? Like, own it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have. it. I went to film school and... There are a lot of books that I have and I just I'm the kind of person that needs to like have absolute stillness around me so that I can focus on reading. Maybe I have ADHD. Maybe that's. <laughs> I don't know. You got some self-discovery
1: already happening <laughs> in the opening seconds here. Wait, by, by the way, how big it, like I just have a mountain of books of that fit that category. Like, oh yeah, I have that and haven't read it. Is that true for you?
0: Oh yeah. I have like screenwriting books. People like to send me books that they've <laughs> written, good friends. And I'm like, my, I don't know what it is what makes I'm not like a big reader. I used to feel embarrassed about that, but I'm not. Now you just I am, own it. Yeah, I own it. I love movies. I love podcasts. I love reading articles and just being outside and observing people. But reading, I have to be in a certain mindset. And I will say, like, I don't really read fiction, but I read the Harry Potter books Mm. in like three or four months, and I was blown away. And I read every page (laughs) like I was eating a delicious dessert. And I had never (laughs) felt that way about books in my life, nor... And I read them... Like two or three years ago. So this wasn't like when I, I was a kid. Yes. <laughs> and I was just like, what? How did you do this? Yeah. So all that to say is I have no real excuse of why I haven't uh, read the book. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have quite a few.
1: Well, I've, I'm I, I'm glad at least Harry Potter broke through for you. I, mean, I, I have a similar is. relationship, like read them only as an adult and just loved surprised at how much I loved reading the books myself, even though I'd seen the
0: movies and whatnot. It was yeah. breathtaking. And my <laughs> dreams were so vivid after I would read them. And I was like, the kids were right. The book is better.
1: Were you playing Quidditch in your dreams?
0: No. It would usually be like running from something or being in that <laughs> that cave that Voldemort would bring the kids <laughs> to try magic on them. And I was like, whoa, this is so dark. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I Back
1: to Pressfield,
0: the book that's oh, yes, not been yes, read. Yes.
1: Right? I know. <laughs> I do. It is my fault. I veered that, of course. But um, so Pressfield writes this. He says, Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. And between the two stands the resistance. Mm. Liz, I just wonder how that quote strikes you. Does that feel true to you? And oh, like, yes. what does resistance look like then for you, if so?
0: Honestly, my initial response is the resistance is fear. And I did read that in the email <laughs> that Nicole sent me, <laughs> that quote. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's my life right now. And it, it's crazy how the pandemic feels more like a motivation to live my life than before so. I feel like I was surviving. I was burning myself out on both ends of the candle. Um, There was a lot of fear, a lot of fear of what people expected of me and a lot of fear of letting myself truly be vulnerable. And as someone who is a full-time musician and has been for the past eight years who didn't start until I was 30 years old. I was going to say until she was 30 years old, but I'm talking about myself. <laughs> um, one of the first songs I ever wrote was called Save Me. And it literally is about me getting out of my way as doors for music were opening. Mm. And they weren't opening in a way to where it was like, hollywood's approaching me and they want me to sign to this label it was more like wait i'm singing in front of people now but i went to film school and i want to make movies and tv shows and be behind the camera i don't want to be seen on stage what do i have to offer what new what is there new to say who cares about my story um and and allowing myself to perform in a way that wasn't showboaty or trying to be an entertainer, but just honest. Um, and, and music has always felt so chaotic to me. Because every time I sit down to write a song, I don't know what's going to come out. And the whole time I'm going... You don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to do this. Why are you even a musician? There are people who can write 10 songs in the time that it takes you to write one. And, and so the resistance is, to me is the fear. Like, like the wall is closing in behind me and I'm, I'm inching towards a cliff, but my toes are hanging onto that cliff because I don't <laughs> know what's at the bottom. And maybe I'll fly, maybe I won't plummet to the bottom. And I've also realized that I am afraid for people to see me flying. I'm afraid I've been afraid to allow people to see me do well. And I don't know what that is. But What do you think that is? I like, don't what know.
1: Am, like tangibly, what does that mean to see you fly? Like like to be successful? Or are you like yeah. is there a part of you that feels like you shouldn't be allowed to do that?
0: That and also uh, who am I? Like, no, this can't happen for me. I don't know. I have no idea. But I've had people call me out and say, you're afraid of succeeding. Maybe I'm afraid of the responsibility that comes with it. The fact that I've always had unhealthy boundaries with people in need. Or like I have this tendency to mend broken toys. And those toys could be people. But now that I've been in lockdown and haven't had people pull me in multiple directions or put this obligation on myself, especially as someone who uh, has been in the church since I was fifteen years old, I mean, I grew up Catholic, and that's like a whole other thing like na- uh natural guilt and shame always in my blood. Um, but going to church on my own terms at 15 until recently working for a church, like always hearing the sermon of God doesn't care about your happiness. And so you're supposed to live this life of sacrifice. Don't live a life of material. I mean, true, there are other churches that are total opposite of like, God will bless (laughs) you with material if you do (laughs) this or that. But my thing was like, it's like be poor, starve yourself. Like, let someone borrow the things that they they need and want from you and give, 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 and you'll rest when you're dead. I've literally heard pastors say, you'll rest when you're dead. And so to have attention on me and to be brought into spaces, there were years where I wouldn't, I mean, even to this day, I don't really talk about my career and the and the exciting things that happen because there's a guilt of, I am taking someone else's dream who really wants this, who really planned this out. And I just stumbled upon it and it is preparation meets opportunity, but also I legit, I, I'm like, it's Jesus and luck. I don't know how this happened, but I carried the shame that it happened. I mean, it also has come with a lot of hardship and struggle and uncertainty, but I don't know. This year, I've been speaking to myself of saying, no one else is going to live this life for you, Liz. I've never been a 38-year-old surviving a global pandemic where my income came from traveling around the world, and that has ceased and living off my savings and i've i've been able to survive off my savings because i lived with poverty mentality for so long like the fear of buying things in case i need that 70 dollars $70, 70 years down the road of like <laughs> i can't buy these new rain shoes even though the rain boots i have have holes in them and my feet are wet but what if i need those that 70 dollars in two years and then I'll regret buying these shoes. Like, I don't know what that's called. That's why I'm in therapy. (laughs) Um, But I know a lot of my resistance to being open to not have, I don't know. I feel like sometimes my body is created in a way to operate in certain ways. And then I resist that because I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait a minute. You're not a singer. What are you doing? That's what my mind's telling me. But my body's like, no, you can do this thing. You can sing that note. And my mind is saying, no, you can't. You can't sing that note. And then my body's like, let me show you. And I do. And it comes out and I'm like, where did that come from? What is this dichotomy that's within me where my heart and my mind are separated. And I had a stranger once tell me, the space between your heart and your mind is where faith resides. Mm. And And that really resonated with you. Yeah. Like reading that quote, I felt like I've, I've lived in resistance because I didn't believe that I could do this or that. I didn't believe that it there was space for me. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, and of course it comes from, I don't know, I'm a black woman in America where you don't see a lot of, a lot of the spaces I occupy are white spaces and you kind of get tired of being the only one or what's the motivation behind this? Am I just a black face? Like, can I fully be myself or do I need to, acclimate to a different environment so that I'm more palatable. Like there's just, there's so many things. And because of this pandemic, I've been able to lay everything out on the table and say, wow, I've really been operating out of fear for a long time. Or I've really been operating out of giving so much of myself away that I don't even know who I am or what I want.
1: Do you feel like some of these discoveries have led to tangible decisions? Then, on the other Mm -hmm. side of the pandemic,
0: yeah, they have. Um,
1: Can you having healthier boundaries?
0: Okay, um, and realizing there are certain people that I can no longer carry anymore, but that they don't actually need me to carry them, right? Um, that I. I'm tired of talking about dreams, and now I'm going to make them happen. So I miss working in film. I love TV. I love British television. I love the way they tell stories and how that one season of a British TV show will be six or seven episodes because that's all they needed to tell this particular story. Um, and so I'm going to take a screenwriting class in England. Wow! Like I'm putting my money where my mouth is and I am yeah. so afraid to spend this much money because it's not coming back into, I'm like, how am I going to put this back into my bank? But I have everything that I need. And when I lived in New York, that was really scary and I survived most of my worst nightmares. And so what does it look like to invest in something that you want to do? And so I'm going to take a screenwriting class in England. I have no idea what's going to come of it, but maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's the, maybe miracles are partnerships and I need to just t- move forward, like take a step towards something that I want to do without knowing the full story. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I love that statement, though, that maybe miracles are partnerships. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's really something to that. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, you, you know, this tension of of feeling permission or lack of permission to step into the spaces that you're at.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: love the bravery shown by, you know what, I'm paying for and taking this class. I'm doing it. I'm doing mm-hmm. it even if maybe I haven't had some like permission, like no one's asking you like, Liz, we need a writer for this. Will you take this class in order to write, like to Mm -hmm. write for us? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, like, did it take the pandemic? Was it getting older? Was it having previous success in stepping into spaces and realizing, Hey, you claim permission in a way, Mm. like, or do you think it's, it's all that together?
0: I think I hate being, as I say, I think, I hate being a hypocrite. I love to push people towards their dreams and goals and living a full life. I'm telling my mom, who's talked about writing a book since I was a kid, I'm like, okay, let's not focus on sitting down to write a book. Can you just tell me the stories of how you met my dad, how you became, why you wanted to be a singer when you were younger? Like tell me your childhood stories when it was the first time you had sex. Like, I just want to know these things that most people don't know about their parents. And so she's been writing these stories and sending them to me. And I talk about, man, I really want to write a British television show. I want to go to England. I want to tick off these countries on my bucket list. And it, it, The things that I want to do contradict the times that I'm in. The world is shutting down. We're wearing masks. You can't go into certain places without a vaccination card. You have to be tested. Like Things are closed. But I feel more brave to do things now than I did when everything was open. And I felt these obligations of going on tours that didn't pay me well, but not wanting to be forgotten. But then I was like, who am I doing this for? I'm miserable. Um, and then the whole thing about permission. I have friends that are like, I'm just waiting for permission. I'm like, from who? Who is giving you permission? I believe in a great creator. Do I understand God? No. And the older I get, the more I'm confused. <laughs> but I have to believe that God says, in the way that God says it, what do you want? And I want to love people well. I want to love myself well. I want to have adventure, and I'm tired of being afraid.
2: Hmm.
0: Liz, was there? A, was there like? A turning point like you've pointed to the
1: pandemic but that really leads to like you know that's like 12 18 months mm-hmm. like was was there um was there a moment that you remember like making some internal decision deciding on some change um was there something that happened to you
0: oh yeah i mean as a very young teen i was 15 when i was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that caused my kidneys to fail, and then heart failure, and I eventually ended up on dialysis at 19 years old. And I was malnourished, like I was always in the hospital, I was on feeding tubes, literally almost lost my life multiple times. And sometimes my biggest fear is death. And I'm like, I've already tasted death. I have danced with death and I'm living the bonus years. What is there to fear? And so even though my personality is I love security and my community, I like having money in the bank, even if I never touch it. I think about the parables of the rich young ruler where he's like, I'm going to tear down my barns. And build up a bigger barn so that I never have to, like, I won't have to worry about food for the next five years, right? And then the angel of death came to him and said, Tonight, your life's required of you. So I can do all these things to plan for a solid future retirement, but there's no guarantee I'm gonna make it there. And that's just my mindset, right? Because I've already almost died at 15 and 21. And so I'm 38 right now. Um, It's too much fear for something that may never happen. I may never make it to the age of retirement and I might, and hopefully I have money or I'll have children that'll take care of me or my nieces and nephews (laughs) will be rich and push me around. (laughs) But it's like, where is that fear going to get me? What is staying inside Going to do for me. I know people who have secure lives that are miserable. So, what does it look like to say, I have tasted death in the face and the worst thing that could happen? Well, maybe death isn't the worst thing that could happen. I'm sure, like, there, I have a vivid imagination. I can name some things that would be worse. But in this case, it's like, what does carving $3,000 out of your savings? that you never touch um, going to do to you? Like, will you regret going to England? Will you regret taking this screenwriting class and exploring a different country? I don't think so. Will okay, I regret so. sitting at home? Will I keep thinking about, man, I should have took that class when I had the time, when I had the space. I don't want that. That would hurt me more than actually trying. So, yeah, I don't know. The fear of not doing it outweighs the fear of trying,
1: yeah, yeah, it, it, musically, mm. um, I mean, obviously, this is not the conversation I thought we'd have as a musician <laughs> to hear about a British television show so it makes me curious there, like, do you have ideas? I mean, do you feel like I have a story, I want to tell it, I just want to be able to know how to tell it the best, or um. Or are you not there yet?
0: I do have an idea. And it sounds so... I probably would have never done anything like this five years ago or a year or two years ago. But I just had a very um, interesting transition from living in New York for four years to moving to LA. A lot of undoing as far as things I believed... As one who considers herself a follower of the ways of Jesus, I don't desire to become a big, famous person because the sacrifice, even as someone on my level, just seems too extreme. Like I don't have the emotional energy to give of myself the way that it would take to become the 1% musician. And so what does it look like to be a working artist doing what she loves to do, making whatever she wants with the people that she loves while she is opening herself to dating and living in L.A. with young, rich actresses who talk about how they're too fat all the time? And I had a landlord who was very wealthy in New York City who would call me and ask to sing for her and asked if I would move to upstate New York on her property and live in a tent and pay her $500 and possibly be inspired to write songs for her screenplay about her white mom befriending a black man in the South. And when visiting her, me and a group of my friends saved her life because her femur snapped in half. Oh, gosh. And then she eventually died seven months later. So, like, I'm like, just in the (laughs) 10 months of my life, that felt like something I would want to watch because it feels so unreal. (laughs) And I lived it. I lived it. As I lived it. And I'm just like, I, even if I never put this on the networks, I don't care. I need to write this down. I need to write it down while it's fresh, while it still takes my breath away. I need to write this down while I still feel inspired and motivated and brave. Because I don't know what it will look like when the world opens back up. And I think I owe it to myself. I need to honor myself. Like, I've put my body through so much, the least I could do is give it what it wants. And it's desiring to go to England to take a screenwriting class. And so I'm going to go do that.
1: What do you do with your musical self? You've built you've built a platform. Mm-hmm. You have an audience. You've you know, like you've, you've, you've cultivated, curated that, like, have you made some musical res- like, are you, do you feel like you're done? Do you feel like only select opportunities? Do you feel like you'll pick it up later on?
0: I have no idea. I don't. Okay. So I've been saying I'm done f- since I started. <laughs> <laughs> and now to the point to where my friends make, Jokes about it. They're like, oh yeah, Liz has been saying she's done with music since I started playing with her. <laughs> okay. um, and that's the resistance. That is the heart and the mind constantly at war, where my career is naturally unfolding. And my heart is like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is so hard. It is like abracadabra. The words that I speak. I'm creating, right? And I'm like, how did I write my second record? I, it, how did I do that? And then I'm writing more music and and other people are asking me to sing on their records and I'm saying yes. And I'm like, why do I keep saying yes to these things? <laughs> because there is some sense of enjoyment. And I will say that, again, the pandemic has been awful and but very eye-opening. And it's not just the the coronavirus it is the politics the race conversation like it's been so much and it's been such a huge blessing to me because things stopped i've got to say yes to things that had had to develop like the church i was a part of in new york city They needed to do online services to protect their congregation. And that turned into these incredible music videos. And I was doing duets with people that I had never met before until this year. So for a year, I was doing duets with people and like recording from home. And so learning how to produce an engineer from home, I had to in order to do these projects. Um, Moving to L.A., working with a producer, Tyler Chester. I had never worked with a producer where I felt like, oh, he trusts my artistic ideas. Okay, so I hear this thing. I think I'm going to write my own string parts. And he's like, yeah, give it a shot. And I did. And I was like, oh, I know how to do this. And it literally, maybe that was the permission I needed was to be around people who were like, yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm doing with music. And I used to feel so insecure about that because a lot of people don't really want to work with you unless I remember a guy like five or six years ago saying, well, I only want to like work with music musicians who want to like tour and want to go somewhere with their music. He no longer tours. I don't know (laughs) what he does with music. But I remember him telling me he didn't want to work with me because I wasn't doing what he thought I should have been doing. And now I've traveled the world singing on kids' records. The collectives I've sang with that I met through, like Josh Gerrle's introduced me to Isaac Wardell for the Porter's Gate. Isaac and his family picked up moved to Belgium. And so now I'm going to go record in Paris in 3 <laughs> weeks. So I'm just like saying I it is a spider web of opportunities that I'm like, yeah, it was because this one friend I sang with Mike Taylor from his Golden Messenger because I this pastor in North Carolina got hold of my record and when I went on tour I stayed at his place and developed a friendship with him. He passed my music to Bob Crawford of the Averett Brothers he passed my music to his manager. I had management for a little while. And then they invited me to co-host on a podcast that was then picked up by this place. And then that relationship led to the, it literally is a domino effect. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't know where that train came from, but I just said yes to this one thing. And then that led to this thing. And I that fits more my personality. And so I'm, I've recorded four songs for an EP, four songs of protest music that I'm really proud of. Am I going to make another record after that? I have no idea because I said I would never make a second record. And four years <laughs> later, I did. <laughs> and I keep singing on records. And the church that I was a part of in New York City, David Gunger, Brought his best friends to this place in Texas called Sonic Ranch. And he built this incredible house band of his friends. And we've made amazing music together. There were no egos. Everyone just loved on each other. People were vulnerable. People were crying. And it felt safe. And I've... I just feel like a different person since working with him as a musician, being taken seriously without feeling like I had to prove myself worthy enough to be invited to the table. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm literally just going with the flow and and when doors open for me, I'm just just as shocked as the other person. I just performed with Sarah Watkins. I had never met her, but she was friends with The producer. And I said, I've heard so many good things about you. Can't wait to meet in person. She's like, do you want to sing with me? And then I performed (laughs) with them at Largo. And people are like, you sang at Largo? Do you know the history of that place? And I'm like, no. But I just (laughs) said yes.
1: (laughs) Was that for their Watkins family hour? What were Mm -hmm. they doing there? Yeah. Yeah. Love, love what they do. And it
0: was amazing. And I'm like, I don't know how I got here. Mm.
1: Except just learning that it's not dependent on you.
0: No, no. If it was, it would never happen. Yeah. Because my fear will cement me to the ground. Yeah. And then, I, and then there are people who come through my life that are like cheerleaders. And I don't need to be, I'm not like a words of affirmation person. But it's just like one conversation will inspire me to continue to be curious, which leads me to say yes or no. And when I say no, it's because I'm making space for what I really want. And that feels scary, but I've learned that you don't have to say yes to everything and you don't have to say no to everything. And I'm just, I'm just, this is a, I'm just trying this out. So if you interview me later on in life and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that. That crashed and burned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I yeah, will I, I will anticipate that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I I'm just showing up and I don't want to pretend that I know what I'm doing. But whatever I'm doing is is fueling the next thing that's coming up that I have no idea what it is. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it's exciting. It's exciting to hear about. I, it's exciting to even hear about the domino effect and to see where this cascading will, will, in, will take you. Mm-hmm. And certainly appreciate your openness to sharing even what's going on behind the scenes in your heart and mind.
0: Yeah, because I'm also a human doing all these things, learning how to live and grieve and grow and pause and speak and move. All at the same time. It's crazy.
1: You've been listening to The Resistance. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And for more information and further episodes, you can find us at listentotheresistance.com engineering production and additional music by Jay kirkpatrick my name is matt connor and i'm your host thanks for listening